Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Uh, I need to do a housekeeping note because we have so many new affiliates now who were not here last year. I just, I, I need to go on and start preparing you for something. Uh, you'll hear way more about it in, in, next Friday. By the way, uh, I will be here next Friday. Normally, I, everything is is completely pre-recorded uh, next Friday because it's Good Friday. I'll be here, and then I'm going to the Masters. I got tickets. Yes, for the first time ever, I will finally be going to the Masters. Last year, I was actually supposed to go, and I forget. So you had some sort of health situation in the family. I had to bail at the last minute. I was very disappointed, but this year, I'm going. Um, so when I started in radio, I had never worked for a company that made you work on Good Friday, uh, which is even among secular historians considered the most important, uh, weekend in world history or one of it's always, I mean, even like Cambridge university and Harvard, they release, uh, release lists of the most important events in human history. And it is always in the top five and normally the top uh, event in human history. And I just think if it's that important, we should probably spend time on it. And and so I did. And I was told uh, in the beginning to never, ever, ever do that again. And then so many people demanded it on my uh, local station where I was before national syndication. I did. And I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. And, and people complain. But next Friday will be Good Friday. And uh, given the events in Nashville and everything, I think it's probably even more appropriate this year to talk about that. And I started doing something last year that I have kept doing, which is to interview uh, pastors and theologians uh, more than just me talking for three hours. So we'll have Scott Sauls and Tim Keller, uh, Stephen Gadbury, uh, Jason Dees. Uh, Stephen Gadbury, fascinating guy. I've kind of gotten to know on Instagram. He's a Catholic priest in Arkansas uh, and big into the CrossFit community. He's a fascinating guy, redneck priest, uh, kind of a cool guy. So uh, I have all of them with me on air next Friday. Uh, and related to that, I, I the feedback has kind of been overwhelming from yesterday's show. And I've got an affiliate that is one of my newer affiliates in Connecticut, WICC. Yeah, you always kind of wonder how many people are listening. And I got a number of very nice emails from people in Connecticut, uh, one of whom it just kind of struck me. He he wasn't sure that he wished to listen to someone with my accent, but I uh, drew him in yesterday, and he wanted me to know how appreciative he was uh, for how I opened the show yesterday. And, and I've got to revisit it a little bit uh, in light of something that happened and has gotten very little notice. The governor of Arizona is a woman named Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs beat Carrie Lake in the gubernatorial race in Arizona. The only person who thinks it was stolen is Carrie Lake. Katie Hobbs was the secretary of state. Not well-liked, pretty progressive. 
Uh, but Carrie Lake ran a campaign where at the end of the campaign told McCain voters she did not want them voting for her, and they listened to her and voted for Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs won. Carrie Lake, the Republican nominee, has largely tried to pretend she never did it, but it was caught on tape, her telling McCain supporters at a rally, if they voted for John McCain, leave, that she doesn't want their support. And they took her up on it. They refused to vote. Katie Hobbs won, and Carrie Lake is screaming the election was stolen. The election wasn't stolen. She just turned out to be an insane, crazy, obnoxious person. And people went for Katie Hobbs. Well, Katie Hobbs has a press secretary. And that press secretary's name is Jocelyn Berry. Jocelyn Berry was the executive director of a far-left progressive activist group. She is now the press secretary for the governor of Arizona. And 24 hours after the children were killed in Nashville, she put up a post on Twitter It says, us when we see transphobes and is a movie clip of a woman holding two guns, firing them. In other words, we kill the transphobes. Jocelyn Berry, as of this moment, has not been punished. She has not been condemned in the media. This story has not run on CNN, which claims it's an objective network. You and I both know damn well. If a Republican's press secretary, if Ron DeSantis's press secretary had put up a picture of someone shooting people and said, us, when we see transgender people, it would be a story Don Lemon would be crying about it on CNN. There would be outrage and demands that Ron DeSantis fire the person. But Katie Hobbs' press secretary puts up a a video of a woman shooting in a direction towards people and says, us, when we see transphobes, 24, actually less than 24 hours after children are shot at a church school in Nashville by a transgender person, and the media has given this woman a complete pass thus far, she still has her job. Where is Don Lemon? Where are the chattering class at CNN? What about Joe Scarborough and MSNBC? Where where are they on this? You and I know every single one of them would be covering it if it were Ron DeSantis' campaign press secretary. If it was Christina, they would all be in an outrage demanding DeSantis fire her. Where are they on this? In fact, about the only press outlet to cover it is the Huffington Post. And the way the Huffington Post covered it was, oh, fake outrage by the right over this tweet. No, it's not fake outrage. You and I know what would happen if a Republican did this less than 24 hours after three children and three adults are killed by a transgender person in Nashville. She's out advocating shooting what she calls transphobes. Here's the recurring pattern in the press when it comes to the left. When it comes to policies, the policies aren't real. They're the imagination of right-wing culture warriors until they are fully implemented, and then you are a bigot for not embracing them. Gas stoves, drag queen story hour, fit that pattern. 
It wasn't happening. It wasn't real. It was the fervent imagination of right-wing haters until it became the de facto policy and everybody either had to embrace it or be considered a hater. How could you oppose something that last week we told you wasn't even a thing? And when it comes to left-wing violence, there's never left-wing violence. It's only right-wing violence until there is left-wing violence. And then the person on the left who was violent did so because they're a victim of the right. And the right got it coming to them, got what they deserved. We see this with the Nashville shooter. We see this in the George Floyd riots, where it was their civil right to burn down businesses to protest George Floyd. It was an emotion we must understand because of police violence. We see this now in Nashville. The Daily Mail, which a lot of conservatives read, it is not a conservative publication. Here's its headline, Nashville mass school shooter was rejected by her Christian parents. It's their fault, you see. NBC News, fear pervades Tennessee's trans community amid focus on Nashville shooters' gender identity. We were already fearing for our lives. Now it's even worse, they quote in the headline. Never mind the kids dead by the transgender activists. No, no, they're the real victims here. You see, the left is always the victim, and their policies are never never to be feared. They're always to be embraced. We see this with climate change. We see this with gas stoves. We see this with Drag Queen Story Hour. We see this now in the victimization here. They're always victims. When... The man plowed into the parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, I believe it was. Turned out he was a, uh, a racist black man. It became the car. The car did it, not him. Time and time again, if they can't pin it on the right, well, then the violent person is a victim of the right. Is it any wonder so many people on the right no longer treat the media as anything other than an enemy of the people? It's really hard to push back on people who think the press is an enemy of the people when the press behaves like an enemy of half the country. Take the Reuters tweet. Talked about it yesterday. Former Christian school student kills three children, three staff in Nashville shooting. Factually, yes, it's true, but it is truth designed to subvert what actually happened. The media itself is complicit in tearing the country apart. Refusing to be objective using partial truths to hide whole truths, engaging in its own disinformation. I am a person of faith. Some of you get tired of me talking about it. My God, I believe, said he is the way and the truth and the life. To me, that means I have to try to be honest and truthful. To me, it means that I've got to do my best to find what the truth actually is, even if it might go against what I believe. If the person I worship claims to be the truth, then I have an obligation to the truth. We live in postmodern times where people have their own truth, which may not be the real truth, but it is their truth. And this is on the left and the right. You see people on the right embracing the idea of the stolen election in 2020. Wasn't true, but they believe it is true. 
and they will scream at me and lecture me and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Never mind, I was a lecture lawyer, and they weren't. We see this with the media and how the media covers stories. And we see this explicitly on the left. You cannot tell me the media would not be in full-on outrage mode today if Mitch McConnell's press secretary, Ron DeSantis's press secretary, Brian Kemp's press secretary, Kevin McCarthy's press secretary, or Doug Ducey's press secretary, the former governor of Arizona, had suggested killing transphobes less than 24 hours after a mass shooting. You know they would be an outrage if any of them suggested killing transgender people. But a transgender shooter murders three children and three adults at a school in Nashville, Tennessee. And most of the media is silent. And of the media outlets that speak up, they condemn the conservatives for being outraged about it. It is going to be very, very hard moving forward to convince people on the right they're not victims of an out-of-control media. It is virtually impossible these days to convince people on the right that the media is not the enemy of the people. And it is the media itself that has done this. It's not Donald Trump calling the enemy of the people. He just articulated publicly what so many people have thought privately. And ever since, the media has done a very good job of proving it to be true. They scream about authoritarians on the right. They give authoritarians on the left a pass. They undermine a free people. I, I firmly believe a free people need a free press. We don't have a free press, though. We have an American press corps captured by their bigotry and hatred of the right. They are enslaved to their own hatred and therefore cannot be a free, fair press for everyone. Therefore, it becomes even harder for us to have a free nation. A free people need a free press, not a press enslaved to their own hatreds and bigotries, which is what we in this country now have. I have not only converted my entire family to bull and branch sheets, but a lot of my friends as well, because I actually believe in them. You can feel the craftsmanship. And the amazing thing is that these sheets get softer every time you wash them. Don't believe me. Give them a try right now. You can get early access to bull and branches spring sale. You use code Eric. That would be my name. E R I C K and get 20% off today at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is Eric. Exclusions apply. See the site for details. I got to tell you guys, these sheets are designed for incredible night sleeps. They're made without toxins. They're free from synthetic pesticides, formaldehydes, harsh chemicals. They fit really deep mattresses. And I've got a thick mattress, and they don't shrink up, which is great. Take care of the sheets. The sheets take care of you, and you get a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. And right now, use code ERIC to take 20% off today at BolandBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com, promo code ERIC. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. If you wish to be on the program... I need to talk to my friends who want gun control legislation, of which I have many. I want to read for you two headlines. This is from the New York Times. Everybody is armed 
as shooting sore, Philadelphia is awash in guns. More than 1,400 people have been shot this year in Philadelphia, hundreds of them fatally, a higher toll than in much larger New York or Los Angeles. It's from the New York Times. This is from Reason Magazine. Philadelphia's district attorney sees little value and much injustice in gun possession arrests. Larry Krasner also questions the effectiveness of supply-side measures aimed at reducing criminals' access to firearms. Wait, wait, there's another headline. This is from today. The U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia declines to prosecute 67% of those arrested, including gun crime cases. He's a Joe Biden appointee. In Wayne County, Michigan, which includes Detroit, the prosecutor's office reported declining 33% of its cases last year. Y'all, if you want more laws to restrict guns, maybe enforce the current laws first. I know a lot of people want to just do something and want to pass laws to further restrict the purchase of guns. But in Philadelphia, more than 1,400 people were shot with guns last year, and the district attorney declined to prosecute gun possession cases. In fact, it's a growing issue around the country where progressive prosecutors won't prosecute gun crimes or gun possession cases because they find it disproportionately impacts young black men and therefore they consider it racist. Before you go advocating for more gun laws in this country, perhaps deal with the gun laws we already have. You're not going to stop everything, and I know you want to ban AR-15s. It's dubious constitutionally as to whether you can, and it's not going to go through Congress. But if you want a real impact, before you angrily attack those of us who think it's not going to happen— Maybe just stop to consider you could have a real impact if you encourage district attorneys to enforce existing laws and crack down on gun possession cases. We have a rule of law issue in this country. We have a degradation in the rule of law. We have people who don't respect the rule of law. We have district attorneys who refuse to enforce the law, claiming that it's racist to do so. I understand your desire to get rid of AR-15s. Good luck trying. Don't mind you trying. I just know it's not going to happen. But there are a lot of laws on the books that could stop a lot of shootings in this country, except we have a bunch of progressive prosecutors who, yes, were funded by George Soros, who have decided to stop enforcing those gun laws because of the disparate impact on young black men. And so the violence continues. I I want to run something by you. I was just, I'm sorry, I was tweeting, but it was it's a point I want to want to make. I know they're never going to admit it, and in fact, will probably scream at me and denounce me for saying it. But I have a theory. So Katie Hobbs, the governor of Arizona, her press secretary tweets out about uh, killing transphobes less than 24 hours after a transgender uh, person went into a private Christian, conservative Christian school 
and killed six people, and her response is to kill the transphobes. This school believes in biblical sexual ethic. They would be classified by the secretary as transphobes. I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of the Democrats and more than a handful of prominent members of the press actually privately believe if more Christian white conservatives are murdered in gun violence, they might finally go along with gun control. Therefore, it's okay to let the murders happen. They will never say it publicly. They will never suggest it. But I bet many of them actually think, ah, the silver lining in all this is maybe they'll finally go along with us on gun control, so let them die. I know, I know, I know, I know. They're never going to say it, and they'll be mad at me for saying it, but their outrage will be because I'm saying what they're really thinking, and, and they're outraged that somebody's finally figured it out. But I'm pretty convinced a lot of these people in the press, the talking heads on TV, the editorial writers, uh, and even some of the reporters, along with a lot of the politicians, thinking, let enough white Christians die, they'll come to our side on gun control, so might as well let it happen so we can finally get something done. They view these people as expendable casualties of public policy. I'm, look, I just, I, let me just say, I, I, I have reason to believe that that's the case. Um, I, I have a lot of reasons to believe that's the case. Based on a lot of conversations I have had over the years with a lot of these people, Many of whom say, well, if it happened, if it happened to your constituency groups, you would finally change your mind. And I think they're finally at the point of, well, let it happen to the constituency groups. It's a crass, terrible, awful thing to say out loud, I know. But I think they privately believe it, which is why they're giving a pass to people like Katie Hobbs, press secretary, to call for the murder of people she disagrees with. We're going to move on now because there's other big news. It's actually... I think this is a bigger story. It happened yesterday. Uh, it was in the New York Times. The fact that we've gotten to this point is rather remarkable. This is from Megan Stack. Megan Stack is a opinion writer for the New York Times, and the headline is Dr. Fauci could have said a lot more. The fact that the New York Times is allowing one of its opinion writers to publicly begin to turn on Dr. Fauci actually is a really big deal given how the New York Times and others have overwhelmingly protected Dr. Fauci and used him to push back on the lab leak theory. This all comes at a time more and more scientists are starting to come forward saying they all along believed the lab leak theory was credible but were scared to come forward and say so due to the bullies, due to the mob to the left. This is how Megan Stack begins this. COVID had just reached American shores on February 9th, 2020, when Newt Gingrich invited Anthony Fauci, the longtime head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and the British zoologist Peter Daszak uh, onto his podcast, Newt's World. Mr. Gingrich would later sour on Dr. Fauci, accusing him of playing a key role in the biggest scandal in American history and calling him one of the most destructive and dangerous people in American history. But on the earlier, more innocent day, Mr. Gingrich deferred to Dr. Fauci's expertise, gushing that Dr. Fauci was a national treasure. 
At one point, Mr. Gingrich asked about something he had heard. Quote, there's sort of an urban legend that there's a biological warfare center in Wuhan that this coronavirus escaped from, Mr. Gingrich prodded Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci responded, I've heard these conspiracy theories, and like all conspiracy theories, Newt, they're just conspiracy theories. The things you're hearing are still in the realm of conspiracy theories without any scientific basis, he continued. Dr. Zasik agreed that all the evidence says the virus crossed from animals to human in a Wuhan market or in rural China, probably from bats. The two men could have told Mr. Gingrich a lot more. They could have said that laboratories in Wuhan had indeed been studying bat viruses, including coronaviruses. Live bats were kept in the laboratories, and scientists occasionally carried out controversial forms of research in which viral strains were manipulated in ways that can make them more dangerous. Both men worked for organizations that had a hand in moving U.S. taxpayer dollars to the scientists in Wuhan. Dr. Dazik had been involved with Wuhan bat research for years. Dr. Fauci's emails show his staff had recently reminded him of National Institutes of Health funding for the coronavirus work Dr. Daszak's organization supported. They could have acknowledged that while they believed the virus had reached humans as zoonotic spillovers from animals, accidental leaks are a known lab hazard and couldn't be ruled out. Even if the notion of using coronaviruses as a biological weapon was laughably improbable. Instead, they dissembled. The near certainty with which Dr. Fauci spoke publicly of zoonotic crossover is somewhat incongruous with his private communications at the time. He knew there was real debate. He was in the thick of it. In public, he leaned hard into animal crossover. Behind the scenes, he wrote that, quote, I do not know how this evolved, but warned that he was concerned about distortions on social media of COVID's origins. The pandemic grievously eroded public faith in health authorities as well as news media, a sort of national unmooring often attributed to Donald Trump and others on the right who touted questionable treatments and pushed back against vaccine mandates, masks, and closures. But the real story of COVID information manipulation is much broader. In the past month, we've learned that both the Department of Energy and the FBI now consider it most likely the pandemic started in the lab. Although those assessments were made retrospectively with low and moderate confidence, they forced the lab theory to be roundly, if begrudgingly, acknowledged as plausible. So we're left to wonder why a straightforward hypothesis got labeled first as a conspiracy and then a reflection of racism. Retracing coverage in public comments, I found a cautionary tale. This is the key point here. Shall we clap to get your attention here? This is from a New York Times writer writing about Anthony Fauci. Those who seek to suppress disinformation may be destined themselves to sow it. She writes that she asked Dr. Fauci about the largely one-sided nature of his public remarks. He'd always acknowledged the possibility of a lab leak, he said, but he couldn't pretend to think both theories were equally probable. His entire career centered for years on a virus, HIV, that jumped from chimpanzees to humans. He then listed all the other outbreaks he's seen traced from animals. Swine flu, MERS, SARS-CoV-1. I can't disassociate that in my mind. I can't say just, I don't know the way you can, he said. I can't, as a scientist, ignore the historical perspective that I've been deeply involved with in my entire career. 
But it also turns out that behind the scenes, Fauci was pushing very hard to elevate the data that said it might have come from an animal and to push hard against the data that it might have come from the lab. We know as well, we know as well that a lot of scientists are now coming forward and they're saying they actually believe the lab leak all along, but they were so scared of saying something because of the medical community, because of people like Fauci, because of what they were saying. So they kept quiet. And this is this is a recurring theme, and it happens most often in authoritarian regimes, and yet uh, Joe Biden is now president, and yet it continues to happen here, which makes you wonder all the people scared about authoritarian regimes from the right, are they propping up an authoritarian regime from the left? In communist countries, there is a price to pay if you're a truth teller. In communist countries, it's better to let things go awry than to stop bad things from happening because typically the truth teller is the one who gets punished. So nobody comes forward to tell the truth. And in this country, we're now seeing rule by mob where people are scared to come forward and talk because of what the mob might do, because of what government prosecutors might do. They don't want to tell the truth. And we got to get away from that because it's going to ruin us worse than we're already being ruined if we can't. You know, the Chinese released like two years ago now, uh, towards the end of the Trump administration, they pushed out their biggest aircraft carrier ever. It was a technological modern marvel. And it was on fire and in distress within 72 hours. I guarantee you it was because in communist regimes, the people who should have been able to fix it and make it right and knew that something was wrong were too scared to speak up because of what would happen to them. I guarantee you that that's the issue. We don't want that in our country. There should be rewards for the truth tellers. Dr. Fauci used his clout to suppress a legitimate story, and now even the New York Times is beginning to turn on him. Listen, you and I both know the New York Times would not allow this opinion piece to be in the New York Times, but for someone behind the scenes thinking Dr. Fauci is now expendable. Ironically, it was Donald Trump who elevated Dr. Fauci. The Trump campaign continues to blast Ron DeSantis' DeSantis' handling of COVID in Florida. It was Donald Trump who elevated Dr. Fauci, who gave him the platform, who stood behind him while he set up guidelines to shut down America. Trump was thought Dr. Fauci was popular. He was too scared to stand up to Dr. Fauci. He let Dr. Fauci have his way, and Dr. Fauci committed a, a great malfeasance on the United States by dismissing so thoroughly the lab leak that it made it harder for us to figure out exactly what was going on. And then he encouraged the government to shut down all the businesses of America, ruining people's lives. The Wall Street Journal did an interview with Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, last week. And Kemp let it be known how on three occasions, a Monday, a Tuesday, and a Wednesday, Dr. Fauci and Donald Trump went to town on him and beat him up for trying to reopen Georgia, and he still did it. Dr. Fauci and Donald Trump both. Donald Trump 
bullied Brian Kemp, trying to keep him from reopening the state. Kemp ignored him. And the reason he did it is because he said as governor, he doesn't just have a responsibility to people's health, but also to people's livelihoods. And that the federal government under Donald Trump had overcorrected too much to focus on the public health issue and not enough to deal with people's livelihoods and people's lives and their value in their lives. And he decided to and he got it right and the federal government got it wrong. And now you got Donald Trump out there pretending that he had nothing to do with it. Well, he's the guy who elevated Dr. Fauci and only now is the New York Times willing to turn on Dr. Fauci. Only now, after all this time of elevating him and giving him some level of credibility, now that he's retired, they can turn on him. Better late than never. It's also better late than never for you to start exploring gold in your portfolio. 800-450-2566. That's Advantage Gold's number. With everything happening in the world today, the the topsy-turvy geopolitical turmoil, the volatile stock market inflation, using gold as part of your investment portfolio is probably worth considering. 800-450-2566. That's Advantage Gold's number. They are TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. They got the best staff. They got the best IRA IRA department. They've got a great free gold IRA investment kit that can tell you everything you need to know to invest in gold. Call them today, 800-450-2566. They've got amazing staff who can answer your questions without gimmicks. If you are at all interested in using precious metals as part of your 401k, your IRA, or your general investing strategies, Advantage Gold. So you need to talk to 800-450-2566. Just tell them I sent you. If you text the word data to 33777, I wrote a piece on the nature of evil in the absence of God, and I will send you that link. And also you should subscribe anyway to the show notes so you get all the latest stuff. In today's show notes email, we put in the Pokemon story from yesterday. Well, it didn't make the show notes yesterday because I didn't find it until later in the show. After after the show notes email had already been out, but if you missed late yesterday afternoon, that story, a guy was booted from a Pokemon competition because he gave his preferred pronouns but did not do so in a level that suggested he was sincere. <laughs> That's right. He, he got flustered and started chuckling and said, uh, he, uh, him, and then laughed because he forgot uh, his. <laughs> so they kicked him out of the competition for offending someone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, by the way, there is breaking news happening right now. Uh, the governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, has just announced that her press secretary will resign uh, after suggesting that uh, conservatives be killed. Uh, within 24 hours of the shooting in, in Nashville. But again, can you imagine if Christina Pushaw from Ron DeSantis' campaign had done that? Uh, the media would have been all over it. Uh, Don Lemon would be crying on CNN two days in a row over something like that. Now, I got I got a story here that has hit the wires. The Wall Street Journal is reporting the FDA is making Narcan available over-the-counter. It is the overdose reversal drug, Narcan. It's going to be able to be sold over-the-counter. Okay, so they're going to sell over-the-counter a drug to stop an overdose. Why is birth control still a prescription medicine? 
Why is insulin uh, still prescribed? I mean, can't you go to the doctor and the doctor say, here's the insulin you need? You just go buy it over the counter you, instead of having to get a prescription every month and driving up costs. Birth control? Why is birth control? I'm just, I mean, is there some sort of lobby out there? I, I know, for example, that a lot of uh, abortion groups want uh, uh, birth control medicine to maintain a prescription in hopes that people don't use it and need an abortion instead. Uh, it's actually part of the abortion lobby wants to keep uh, abortion or uh, birth control prescribed to keep the abortion rate high. Why? I mean, I've never understood why birth control needs to be a prescription. And if we're going to do Narcan as a over-the-counter medicine, why not do birth control? It, it's it just it's crazy to me. Speaking of Narcan. Bizarre story. Uh, there's a man from uh, north of Atlanta, Georgia, who went to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in February and disappeared. They have found his body. He was wrapped in saran wrap or plastic wrap and then rolled inside a carpet. Police presume murder until they did a um, toxicology. Turns out he had cocaine, fentanyl, and alcohol in his system. Uh, they were finally able to put together what happened. He was staying in downtown Baton Rouge at a hotel that I regularly stay at when I go see my parents. Went to Happy's Pub, an Irish bar I've gone to for years, and then walked up the street to the Greyhound station, found a drug dealer and some prostitutes, uh, got cocaine and fentanyl, overdosed and died, and they got scared and wrapped him up in the saran wrap and the carpet and left him until finally... They confessed to the police what had happened, and no murder charges there. But my goodness, what a story.